Hello. I am Babs Wood, and you are listening to Public Affairs here on 88.3 FM WRBH. We are speaking with Chloe Robb today. She is the head of archives and special collections at the Newcomb Institute of Tulane University. Chloe, welcome. Thank you for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. So as the head of archives and special collections at the Newcomb Institute, what do you do? What is the Newcomb Institute? Are you just there to serve the students of Tulane University? Uh, What can the people of New Orleans learn over there? Yeah, so the Newcomb Institute is an interdisciplinary academic institute at Tulane University that is dedicated to gender equity and women's leadership. And while the focus of the institute is primarily on undergraduate students at Tulane University, the Newcomb Archives, which is part of the institute, is open to all members of the community. So that includes faculty and staff at Tulane University, but also members of the public. We have folks that come in who are journalists, who are researchers. We really are open to everyone. Okay. So I can walk in and I, I mean, is it basically, and these archives, is that a library? Is that, it's basically a library and I can say, I have this project, I want to know about something and I can walk in and someone will help me? It's that easy? (laughs) So archives are similar to libraries, but we are a little bit different in that we are collecting unique primary source resources. And so unlike a library where there is a book that has the same catalog record at any library that you would go to, everything that we have in an archive is unique to that archive. So it takes a little bit more of a human touch to get access to records at an archive. For us, we actually store our collections in a separate facility from our reading room. Reading room is where we have researchers come in and do our work. Um, So if you do want to come and use collections, we actually request that you give us a heads up, and then we will actually pull and bring those collections to you to use in our reading room. And unfortunately, we are only open 9 to 5, Monday through Friday. It would be fantastic if we could be open all the time, but we do have limited staff resources. Um, So those are our hours of availability for folks to come in. That sounds so impressive. I can I can really see myself now ordering up some primary materials. Are we talking about like the menu from Dookie Chases? What is an example of a primary source that would be held in an archive? So primary sources in archives can really range. Often when people think about archives, they think about things that are very old. In our case, it's a little bit different. So we were founded in the late 1980s. So our collections primarily span the middle part of the 20th century, with some collections dating back as far as the late 1800s, and then some even being as recent as the early 2000s. So it doesn't necessarily mean that something is super old. Um, Really, most archives have a specific subject area of focus. And ours is gender and the history of women in the Gulf South. So most of our collections revolve around that topic. So we have many collections that document the history of the second wave women's movement in Louisiana and in the Gulf South. We also have a very extensive culinary history collection. We have many collections of local women political activists and political leaders. Um, And we also have a really substantial zine collection as well. And that is primarily, um, if you don't know zines or if you're not familiar with zines, those are small-scale press publications that are self-produced and self-circulated, and they usually coalesce around a certain theme. So in our case, again, gender and feminism, LGBTQTIA issues. Um, Also, often they intersect with our culinary collections, too. So we have many zines that also cover topics like DIY herbalism and first aid care. That is... You just said so many things that I didn't even know existed. For example, uh, I didn't really know that we had a a big 
feminist movement. I didn't think we were known for our feminism here in the Gulf South. You think of uh, the ladies up in the Northeast and and the suffragettes and and whatnot. And I know we're going back before the second wave, but uh, what what is there of note that happened here that that you've you've learned uh, as you've been overseeing these archives? What what do we have to share with people as far as that history. Yeah, there was actually a lot of really important work that did take place in the Gulf South, and I think that is a common misconception. Mostly people think about the West Coast or they think about the Northeast, and they often kind of miss that part of history. Here, our movement really was riding um, on the coattails of the civil rights movement. Um, as well, and as well as queer activist movements, too, of that era. And so um, you really saw a lot more of that grassroots activism in Southern uh, second wave feminist activist movements. A lot of those efforts coalesced around um, trying to pass the Equal Rights Amendment in Louisiana, which um, we know is was ultimately unsuccessful. Um, but we have a lot of the records of those women who really fought and pulled for the Equal Rights Amendment to be passed here. That is... Fantastic. And so are there present day activists and and academics and scholars who are now accessing that information and seeing uh, where that's going to take them into the future and seeing how they can build on the work of those women to to move forward? Yeah, and um, actually, I would make a plug for a really fantastic um, researcher, uh, professor, Janet Elirad of McNeese State. She actually recently wrote a book called Remapping Second Wave Feminism that is all about uh, the feminist movement in the Gulf South states. And she relied heavily on some of our resources. She actually conducted a number of interviews, too, with living women who were active in that movement. And we are the repository of those interviews. So you can find those, too, from our website. Um, Janet, what was her name? Janet Elirad. Janet Elirad. Cool. And the title of that work? Remapping Second Wave Feminism, Remap- the Long Women's Right Movement in Louisiana. Cool. Uh, we're going to have to make sure to check that out. What is, what's going on in, uh, in current information spreading? Your, your archives are a repository of things from the past. A lot of people are getting their information a little bit faster. They're digging up that supercomputer in their pocket, and they're going on to a little website called Wikipedia, which I learned is the 10th most visited site in the world uh, for anybody who does not know what Wikipedia is. Uh, when you Google up a question, uh, often one of the first sites that comes up defining a topic for you will be Wikipedia. And and these entries are, I believe, self-published. I think anybody can go and, and put what they want on Wikipedia, and it's pretty much taken as fact until someone else goes and edits it. So, Chloe, uh, how is that affecting uh, information that we're all getting these days, the, the, the way Wikipedia is run and operated? And, and I think there's, what, I think 10% of Wikipedia authors are women or women identified. So, so what, what are you hoping to do about that? Wikipedia, um, as on its own, is actually a really fantastic resource. Um, as you mentioned, anyone can go in and edit it. Um, they do have a slight barrier to editing. You have to have actually practiced editing before they will let you publish your own article. So there's a little bit of vetting um, in that process. But uh, Wikipedia on its own is actually a really wonderful resource. 
but it is because it is created um, by the people who choose to participate in it. It means that it is reflecting the viewpoints and the interests, really, of its editors. Um, and yes, as you mentioned, um, in 2011, there was a survey done, and the Wikimedia Foundation found that less than 10% of its contributors identified as female. More recent data has put that number around 16% globally and around 23% in the United States. But it still means that the vast majority of people who are editing in Wikipedia identify as cis men and predominantly identify as white cis men. And so that really skews the type of information you're seeing on Wikipedia. And a classic example of that is an article on something that is classically considered um, something of feminine women's interest friendship bracelets might only have a few paragraphs, a few citations on it, whereas another topic that I think an objective person could say is equally, I don't mean to, you know, say anything negative about either friendship bracelets or baseball cards, my other example, um, but equally trivial and equally um, a pastime um, might have substantial information just because of the interests of editors who are creating those articles. Um, the same has been said, too, about looking at comparative articles on Sex and the City versus The Sopranos, and you'll have a breakdown of every single episode with only a little bit of information about a show like Sex and the City, which has classically been uh, identified with female audiences. So so that's kind of the skew that we are seeing there. The folks who are contributing to Wikipedia are kind of setting the tone, and they also are setting the quality of the articles there, and that the articles that are more classically identified with male interests are going to be more substantial. Huh. So if we want to have our perspective out there, we have to get off our tuchuses and get to typing, is what I'm hearing, because I heard you say... Uh, the people that are editing the articles are the people who are taking it upon themselves to edit it. And I can definitely say I have never edited a wiki. I've never taken it upon myself to get information out there and put it out there. And um, it sounds like that level of complacency and laziness and, well, somebody else is going to take care of that for me isn't cutting it because it seems like we're still at only 20% woman representation and we need to get higher. Well, so I wouldn't necessarily chalk that up to laziness or complacency. Well, maybe in my part it is. I'm not saying it's everyone else, but me personally, I can definitely tell you it's laziness and complacency. <laughs> right. And I understand that. I mean, we all have various things we want to be doing in our spare time. It's not necessarily editing in Wikipedia. What they have found, though, is that um, folks who do identify as women on Wikipedia are also more likely to have their articles challenged and have their articles and edits taken down. Um, and so that's also a problem. And that's really where art and feminism comes in. So art and feminism, which we're talking about today, is a global campaign to improve the coverage of women, non-binary, and trans artists on Wikipedia, and also to bring greater gender diversity to the group of editors who are editing on Wikipedia. And art and feminism creates these event spaces where folks can come together and edit. So it creates a supportive, caring community environment where people who maybe wouldn't necessarily identify themselves as a Wikipedia editor might come together and see that, hey, this is a space for me and this is something that I might actually enjoy doing too. And it tries to give them the tools to, to make sure that if they do have their articles contested, um, they're going to be able to you know, push back a little bit and work within the Wikipedia community standards to be able to make sure they're creating quality articles that will stay on Wikipedia. Okay, so you're creating, a, when you say we've created a space, you are talking about an event in real life. This is not an online space. You are hosting an event where people can go in real life, 
learn how to create wikis, edit wikis. Am I saying that right? Is it a, 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 a an article on Wikipedia is called a wiki? Um, an, an article on Wikipedia is just called an article. Oh, oops. Yeah. <laughs> My, okay. All right. So... Um, so, right. So you have an event coming up and you're going to teach all of this stuff. And is it for everybody? Do you have to have a rudimentary HTML knowledge? Uh, what, what is, who is this for? Now, really anyone can edit in Wikipedia now. It's really simple. Wikipedia has built a really great editor's tool, so it makes it very easy. It's similar almost to composing an email. Um, so you really don't need to know what we call in Wikipedia wiki text anymore. Um, the barrier is pretty low. Um, there is, you know, a little bit of a learning curve there. So that's why we're hosting two events this year. On March 6th, we're going to host an editor's training session from 11 a.m. until noon. And this is where we'll just talk about how to create an account for Wikipedia, how to edit an article. We'll introduce you to some of the basics. And then on March 11th is when we're going to actually host our edit-a-thon, where we'll, we will bring folks together from 11 a.m. until 1 p.m. We'll have free pizza. And this will be a space where we can just work on editing articles. And we will have people floating around to help you if you still have questions about how to edit. But we decided to break it up this way to give people a little bit more time to become comfortable with editing on Wikipedia before they came to the edit-a-thon. And this event, this isn't just happening is this, this isn't just a one-off here in New Orleans. Is this a an annual an annual event, and it's in national? Is it international? Everybody's going to be doing it th this at the same time, or is it uh, a movement? And the actual, you know, maybe New Orleans is going to be have their event on March sixth and eleventh, but someone else is going to have theirs in April, or is it all happening in real time, March eleventh? It's a mass Wikipedia edit. So uh, what you said earlier, that is correct. So this is happening across the month of March. There will be these edit-a-thons. Wikipedia, um, excuse me, Art and Feminism is a global movement. It was founded in 2014. And since then, 14,000 people, more than 14,000 people at more than 1,100 events around the world have participated in these edit-a-thons. The first uh, Wikipedia Art and Feminism Day was identified as March 8th, and that was because that's International Women's Day. But really, uh, most institutions or coffee shops or groups who want to host an edit-a-thon, they'll just do it sometime during the month of March. So those are just the dates that we picked. Um, but this will be happening throughout the entire month of March. People will be editing articles all over the world um, on women in the arts um, and trying to encourage greater gender diversity among the editors on Wikipedia. So... Are we looking to create new content and, oh, well, here are artists. I'm sure there's a ton of Wikipedia entries on Banksy, but maybe there's a female street artist we haven't even heard about, and she has not a single article about her on Wikipedia. Are we looking to to create fresh, exciting content, or are you looking to edit pre-existing articles? What's the what's the purpose, the focus, the main the main deal here? Really both. If you have experience editing in Wikipedia, then I absolutely invite and encourage you to create new articles. And you can even get that experience leading up to the edit-a-thon if that's something that you want to do. To create a new article on Wikipedia, you do have to have been active in Wikipedia for a number of days. And you do have to have made, I believe it's three edits right now, but I may be incorrect on that number. So I apologize if I am. So you do actually have to have been involved in Wikipedia for some time to be able to create a new article 
article. However, anyone's welcome to edit in articles already on Wikipedia, and that's really some of the most important work that gets done on Wikipedia. Um, and the reason that is important is because Wikipedia is really the first stop for knowledge for most people. I mean, so many people, that's the first place that they go when they're seeking information. And really, the goal is not to have the article that was written on Wikipedia be you know, the be-all, end-all that people are seeing for that information. The goal is to have articles that are well-written and then also well-cited, well-sourced, that have great references in them. So one of the most fantastic things people who are editing Wikipedia can do is find articles that need more references and go through them and then find references that will support those articles or find great references and add facts from those references. And then every Wikipedia article at the bottom of the page has a list of all of the sources that were used to create that article. So people can actually use Wikipedia as a jumping off point to get to um, more substantial sources on a certain topic. So our our ideal candidate for the position you're talking about, uh, Wikipedia editor, how do I even, is it, if somebody is an expert in something, or I know I did my senior thesis on this topic, or I, I personally have a lot of primary information about this topic, I'm going to go on Wikipedia and see what, see what's out there and make sure they've got it right. Like, how do you even get, to, and you start typing in topics that are important to you or that you know something about or something that you're passionate about but aren't an expert in and, and go from, like, how do you, who's this for? Who, do, who does this? Um, so really, again, I'd say this is for anyone, but I'm really glad you asked that question because actually one of the community pillars of Wikipedia is no self-promotion. So often people will think, I'm the leading expert in this topic. I should be the one writing the Wikipedia article on it. But Wikipedia, in order to keep their, um, their encyclopedia as possibly neutral as you could be when you're creating a, you know, a gigantic accessible to all encyclopedia that everyone can create and add to. Um, one of their tenets is that they actually don't want people using themselves as a resource for their articles. So you would actually want to encourage somebody else to create that article. And you could even say, hey, Nudge, I've got this great resource that you could cite for this article. Um, but really, you'd want to hand that off to somebody. So a good example of that is I would not edit articles on Newcomb Institute, on the Newcomb Archives, on Tulane University, because of having that affiliation, I wouldn't want to self-promote. When I go to work with Wikipedia, I'm trying to follow their community standards, so I'm trying to edit in other areas where I don't have a conflict of interest. I got it. So if you're passionate about mushrooms, we're going to go make sure that everything is on the up and up with the mushroom entries, and if we see them saying something wrong, then you can start your editing process. Absolutely. Perfect. Um, okay. Okay, this is, uh, we're talking with Chloe Robb here, who is the head of archives and special collections at the Newcomb Institute at Tulane University. And there's an event coming up uh, with Art Plus Feminism, which is a, an international organization that promotes a greater diversity in Wikipedia authorship, trying to get more women and non-binary voices into into the the conversation there on the internet uh, it's the 10th most visited site in the world and and we need to make sure it's not just uh, a very small margin of people steering the information that is that is available out there um, how many folks do you anticipate coming to this 
So we have had a number anywhere between 30 participants to 10 participants. Um, again, I recognize that maybe editing in Wikipedia is not everyone's cup of tea, but we would love to have as many people as possible come, and we will have pizza for everyone um, who does come. So, um, you know, it really depends. But there are some events that, for example, the MoMA in New York hosts an event every year, then they have hundreds of participants come. So it really depends. Um, but here, uh, you know, we've usually had a good turnout be around 30 editors, and we're really happy to have 30 editors come um, and just really be able to, you know, enjoy that quality time together and get 30 new people editing on Wikipedia. And this is not just for, I mean, I'm almost 40 myself. You look like a really young, hip, cool, fabulous person. Is this for only young, hip, cool, fabulous people? Can anybody who can write an email learn how to edit a Wikipedia article? I am also approaching 40, and it is not just for the young, hip, fabulous, anyone, although and we're all fabulous and hip when we're editing Wikipedia. Um, anyone who can who can work in an email editor can work on Wikipedia, and we're really happy to help you, although I would say um, one thing is that Wikipedia really works best on either a laptop or a desktop, so we will see people who try to come in um, and use their phones or their tablets, and it really doesn't work as well. Um, at this event, though, it's going to be so excellent because we will be hosting it at the Howard Tilton Library, Howard Tilton Memorial Library at Tulane University. We're in room 308, and we have computer stations um, for everyone who is coming. So you can bring your own laptop if you would like to, but we will have a computer there for you to use. Okay, so that is going to be March 6th from 11 a.m. to noon is the general... There's your training. That's where you're teaching Wikipedia editing? Yes, that's right. Okay. And that's at the Howard, Hil Howard Tilton Memorial Library? Yes. And then on March 11th, from 11 to 1, that's when you practice your training, you get it in there, and it is a mass. All of your attendees will just be editing articles left and right, changing the conversation. Yes. yes. And eating pizza. <laughs> and eating the free pizza. You all, that is March 6th and March 11th. Is there a website? we can go to 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 learn more about this um the best way to get information and to sign up ahead of time, you don't have to register ahead of time, but we do appreciate it, is to go to library.tulane.edu slash events. And there you'll find a full listing of different events that are happening at Howard Tilton Memorial Library, and both of our events are listed there. Library.tulane.edu slash events. And you can scroll down and you can find out not only about this event, but everything that's going on at the Howard Tilton Library. And there's a lot of resources for the community out there. It's not just for Tulane University students. It is not just this big, glorious building on St. Charles Avenue that, that is not for the regular folks of New Orleans. So that's there for us. New Orleans going into the future, editing Wikipedia articles. Um, very excited. Is there... Can we circle back? Because I, there's just been this question that's been nagging at me since you told me about about the archives. What's your favorite thing out of all out of all of the pieces in the collection of the Newcomb Institute uh, and the archives and special collections there? What's the your most treasured object? 
that is a really tough question. <laughs> um, I can say what probably would be considered the strangest object in our archives is we do have the hair of Harriet Sophie Newcomb, who was the daughter of Josephine Louise Newcomb, the founder of Newcomb College. And this was very traditional in Victorian times to save the hair of someone who was deceased. She died when she was 15 of diphtheria, I believe 1875. Um, but her hair still survives today. Um, we do have it in a box in acid-free box condition materials, controlled environment. Um, so that's probably the strangest thing that we have. Wouldn't necessarily say it's my favorite, but it is the most unusual. Oh, that's <laughs> so cool. It's so cool that, you know, the same place that has antique hair is also helping us. Uh, I don't know. It just it, It's exciting to me I, that a lot of people don't think of New Orleans as this this city of the future, you know, we're so much about our history and our past and our culture and it's like, ah, oh, we're a backwards banana republic, ah, oh, New Orleans, and that, no, you can, you can be trained to edit Wikipedia articles, you can be trained to elevate the conversation and make sure it's not just straight cis white men who are, who are in charge of the information out there. Um, so yes, go to uh, the Art plus Feminism Wikipedia Editathon, March 6th and March 11th. You can learn more about it uh, at Tulane.edu slash, no, library.tulane.edu slash events. Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay, Chloe, Rob, thank you so much for being here today. Uh, it was a real treat talking to you. Thank you so much for having me. I am Babs Wood. You have been listening to Public Affairs here on WRBH. 88.3 FM and WRBH.org at 3 p.m. on Mondays and 8 a.m. on Sundays. Thank you so much for joining us, and we'll talk to you next week.